live from Columbus, Ohio. It's the Zone of Truth. This week on the show, Griff and I debut brand new segment, It's Always Spooky and Galarian, have a special announcement about the future of the show, and of course, answer some listener questions. I'm your host, Steve, in studio with your GM and my co-host, Griffin. Roll a will save. We're in the Zone of Truth. And we're live. And we're live. We are live. We never get to groove to that song. No, we don't. I mean, we do it every time in studio, but just to complete silence. Yeah, to complete silence. We just, you usually mime it. Mm -hmm. You usually say it into the mic for me to cut out later, but we never play it live. Yeah, so... Uh, we're we're live here. I just ran the theme song. Griff and I had a little dance for those of you who aren't watching. And for those of you who are watching, welcome. Woo! Yeah, welcome, guys. Thanks for joining us. This is a big, stressful, exciting experiment. And um, I can't believe that we are finally live debuting Zone of Truth to the entire world. To the entire world. All of them. I mean, the world as far as I'm concerned. Uh, yeah, yeah. Patriots at the $10 tiered up, you are my world. That's right. <laughs> so um, what's different about today? Well, it's going to be basically a standard Zone of Truth episode. So if you're not watching us live, don't worry too much. But for those of you who are, um, you're going to be able to interact with us during the show. We're going to be running through a fairly standard script of the show, of course, but with your help. Debuting a segment that you guys voted on, which is super exciting. And to make this actually kind of feel professional, we have a producer in studio. Haley, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Haley. No problem, guys. Haley is going to be monitoring the chat. She is going uh, to be working all of the three different giant ring lights that we have up in the studio to make us look pretty. And uh, basically is the backbone of the show today. So thank you very much. Looking forward to uh, having a fun time. Recording three separate ways so we don't lose the live show. Yeah, I I mentioned this before. Yeah, because we are recording uh, in triplicate, we are basically not trusting ourselves and we're not trusting ourselves to trust ourselves. We are convinced this is going to fail. I mean, that would just be silly if we trusted ourselves to trust ourselves. Ridiculous. We've always let ourselves down. Uh, yeah, 10 times out of 10. Um, but don't let me down today, Griffin. What are you drinking? Oh, man, I'm starting off with my World's Okayest Game Master mug, and I'm drinking a little bit of root beer whiskey in some orange Coke Zero. You wouldn't really think it would work, but it's actually really good, and I'm into it. How about yourself? Yeah, you know, root beer is one of the, I, I, I remember having the root beer whiskey before. I'm not a whiskey guy, but I do love the root beer whiskey. And root beer is one of those flavors because it's such an amalgamation of different flavors. I feel like that would complement something well that uh, doesn't sound like it would. So that makes sense to me. I have a big old mug here. It's fat and wide and it says slurp on it. Um, this is full of a beer. This is a Abominable Haze Double Dry Hopped White IPA. It's kind of like a winter-themed IPA from Wolf's Ridge Brewing, and it is delicious. I'm glad it's good, man. Oh, yeah, I'm absolutely loving it. I don't know if I'm going to stop soon. I mean, I don't want to stop soon. Um, But even though this is live, I got to play the Sirenscape. You do have to play the Sirenscape. 
Yeah, I don't even want to see the chat right now. People probably, oh, play fucking Sirenscape. Come on, what are you doing? Well, I'm doing it without anybody telling me, all right? This is happy music from the Blacksmith sound set because I'm happy to be here with all you today. All right. It's a bop. It is a bop. Do you check if this one repeats? Uh, it sure does. Okay. That we'll is see. always a problem. All right, Griffin. Let's just get into it today. This is just a segment that I like to call, What Have You Been Getting Into? Okay. It's uh, the segment that hasn't gotten named, even though we've been doing it for like nine months. Quarantine updates. Isn't that what we've been calling it? Yeah, but that's kind of depressing because now quarantine's been like nine months <laughs> long. Quarantine updates for, it's it's eight, eight nine months. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not a it's not a clever segment name. If somebody out there, uh, maybe on the chat, has a better segment name, I'd be into it. So this is things basically that are my day job. Yeah, things that are my day job. Um, so what have we been playing, watching, drinking, etc. Just to keep us sane. Um, go ahead and start us off, Griff. What's new in your life? What's new in my life? Well, I've been watching the newest season of Big Mouth, which never fails to make me laugh. It's hilarious. Nick Kroll uh, does a ton of the voices on the show. They're all voices that I want to be able to do, but can't do very well. Um, and it's if you haven't seen it it's a show about puberty <laughs> an, an animated show right? animated yeah. show about puberty that's like completely way too vulgar and foul and um and is amazing uh i've also been getting into come on been eating quite a bit of beans i got uh right right here i i got a can of bush's best original seasoned with bacon and brown sugar baked beans and uh, lately, I've just, you know, it's a great snack for when you're drunk. You chop up a couple hot dogs in it. You got yourself a king's feast. So I've really been feasting on the beans. And honestly, I don't think there's any adverse effects. I certainly don't fart more. Okay, so let's just back this up for a second. Um, this is a, a a good time for us to debut cool new things. What are you watching? What are you reading? Yeah, Give I people think- an update. What's going on in your life? And your big update this this week is, hey, listeners, check out trying to eat beans. Listen, some people don't have beans as a part of their life, and some people aren't really trying the beans. Don't don't put them in their diet as a staple. And I'm just saying, you should give it a shot. Like, they're great. They they're versatile. They work with a lot of things. And mm-hmm. realistically. Most daddies want beans. Oh, I, so that's the thing. I'm not a daddy yet. Um, I do enjoy beans. Um, you know, my Chipotle order always has some black beans in there. You okay. know how I roll. All right. Um, that you know, I don't go out of my way for beans. So you know, sometimes I get a refried beans and put that in like a quesadilla that I make at home. That's a good time. Well, I wanted to use beans as a little segue to stuff we've been cooking. Haley and I got. Oh, great. Yeah. Haley and I got a, uh, a new set of cast iron over the Thanksgiving holiday. And so we've been able to cook a lot of cool, uh, like like Haley made a uh, chicken pot pie in the, we, we have kind of like a Dutch oven one. Oh, wow. And uh, our buddies at Alchemist Fire Barbecue actually sent us two of their flavors, uh, Power Word Grill and pork ferocity which are and these clever are seas- as hell. these are seasonings they're seasonings and i haven't gotten a chance to get outside and smoke something but they've been phenomenal on a lot we put them in the pot pie we uh you know they they go well on eggs there's a ton of stuff that they're really great on uh so i've been digging that i, I really like looking out for pathfinder and gaming in general crossovers with ttr like with food with crafts that kind of thing i don't know if you've seen like there's a 
There's a Twitter out there that's making like cookies that are Pathfinder themed and stuff. Yeah, it's like critical hit cookies or something. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that yeah. looks awesome. And so that that stuff's really intriguing. And so we've been we've been cooking a good deal, and it's been uh, it's been really cool with uh, getting some samples of the of the community's products to try. Yeah, we got to do something. I, I want to try some of that Alchemist Fire seasonings. That sounds great. I also know there's the. Um, the uh, there's that goblin coffee with that's oh, actually yeah, like yeah. partnered with Paizo. We need to get ourselves a bag of that and like brew it up with Brooks or something. Do it up real good. That'd be awesome. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. So um, you know what? I take back that snarky ass question I had earlier. Yeah. You know what, folks at home, try beans. Try beans. Try beans. Um, but I'm gonna t- I'm gonna take mine in a little bit of a different direction than I have before. Um, I'm actually gonna give podcast recommendations. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, did they pay us for this? No, so so uh, I made sure I'm not recommending anybody else. That's TTRPG or whatever. This is um, completely different. But uh, folks, if you guys have not listened to BBC Radio's The Lovecraft Investigations, get on it. The third season just dropped. They're very short, about half hour episodes, and um, they come out about ten at a time. So they've got about thirty ish episodes. Each one is a modern retelling of uh, each season is a modern retelling of a different Lovecraft story. So season one was the case of Charles Dexter Ward. Uh, season two was Whisper in Darkness. And the most recent one was Shadow over Innsmouth, which the HLP's worst kept secret is that book four is going <laughs> to be Lovecraft themed. Yep. So um, I would highly suggest anybody that's excited for us to transition into book four and is really looking for some like cool Lovecraftian mysteries to listen to it. It is, they are three separate stories, but it is pretty much a continuous narrative. So I would suggest starting at the beginning, um, but you're going to appreciate listening to the whole damn thing. Uh, Can I throw a spoiler in for our live friends? Oh, maybe you can. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. uh, Spoiler. Episode 125. Back on Galarian. We did it. I won't tell you how. I won't tell you in what. In what? What tells who? <laughs> I won't tell you who. But they made it back. And so, those of you that have been really excited for us to get into the Lovecraft stuff, kicks off right there. Not to say that the Abaddon arc wasn't really fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have a couple fun episodes coming up. But there is light at the end of the tunnel. I didn't do a whole adventure path of <laughs> uh, of tournament. Yeah. So we are we are finally back on track. Abaddon has been completed. Still a couple episodes headed your way, folks. But um, I, I'm so excited to get into book four. And that gives people at home plenty of time to catch up if they want to listen to these Lovecraft investigations because it's very exciting. Similarly, BBC Radio also adapted another story called Children of the Stones into a very similar radio drama, 10 episodes. Each one, it's even, I think it's even shorter. They're like 15 or 20 minutes. Um, but it is this very, very spooky story of an only child and her father who move to this this new little town in England that is surrounded by these really creepy stones. And everybody in the town is acting kind of strange. And they all say to each other, happy day, happy day. Like that's their greeting. It's if every everything feels just a little bit off and you don't know how the stones are involved. It's a little Lovecraftian, um, but it feels very creepy. And I also not having played book four yet, of course, feel like it would be a good way to get yourself mentally prepared for what we're about to experience. 
Nice. Yeah. I would suggest them to you too, Griff. Like, yeah, they're yeah, really I, cool. I haven't listened to them. I, I definitely should. Mm-hmm. Had too much Lovecraftian media going on. That is very fair. Um, all right. So how about we get us into this brand new segment, Griffin? How does that sound to you? That sounds good. I love brand new segments. Okay. I told you, I told you last time the truth. You got to mix it up, man. We're mixing it up right now. I mean, we're live, so that's a pretty big change. But this is a new segment, and uh, this harkens back to something that happened earlier on the Zone of Truth several episodes ago. We had a question. The question came from Tilda. If you were going to look at one random part of Galarian and set a horror adventure, what would that be? And I believe when we were answering that question, we threw out, you know, two or three a pop. And it was really fun. Yeah. I really liked answering that question. And because Galarian is so big and it was created and, you know, from the folks at Paizo in such a way that each little segment of the world has um, some very defining characteristics and has a different feel to it, that you really could adapt some interesting, unique horror experiences to each different place of the world. And I don't think we did it justice the first time around. I think there are so many cool new creative stories to tell. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to do that now. Uh, would you like to go first or second, Griff? Uh, I could go first here. I Let's don't mind. Do it. Oh. oh, the lighting has changed. The lighting has changed. Pathfinders, beware. You're in for a scare. <laughs> so uh, for those of you at home, Haley has switched all our ring lighting to... Uh, alternate between deep red and deep purple (laughs) creepy so i wanted to pick a setting that is probably not normally would would not be thought of as a horror setting and it's also an area of galarian that hasn't been explored very frequently i'm talking about arcadia man who baby arcadia across the sea kind of like the uh the new world in in some ways in Galarian. When we were texting about what we wanted to go into this episode specifically, and we landed on this segment um, after the the listener poll, you told me that you wanted to do Arcadia, and I was like, hell yeah, I know nothing about Arcadia. Yeah. Uh, It it turns out uh, neither do the publishers, really. (laughs) (laughs) There's there's not that much information about Arcadia. Uh, It really would be a cool place to do an adventure and I honestly think a cool place to do some horror. So Arcadia is is a long sea journey away from the um, kind of the inner sea region and with that the the travel there is pretty treacherous. The, there's supposed to be some pretty intense sea monsters in, in the path uh, between and there's also kind of the Galarian version of Vikings, the Lenorms, they've, they were actually the first to make it to Arcadia and they did so by taking kind of like a Northern passage that didn't have as many sea monsters, but then kind of became their territory. And actually (laughs) it's really cool. The, the Galarian version of like a Valhalla, it's called Valen Hall is actually an Island off of Arcadia. It's where the, Lenorm kings go when they uh, get old, but you have you have these treacherous areas. You have the the sea monsters to the middle and south, and then Viking raiders to the north. If you're if you're gonna make the passage, so I think in terms of horror, 
we would definitely do colonial horror in this setting. It, we could definitely do some sea monster horror on the way there. Uh, could do definitely some brutal scenes with uh, with the Lenorm Kings and, oh, yeah. and that kind of thing. Um, but I think the meat and potatoes is that there are only a couple of colonies of uh, of folks that aren't native to Arcadia, and they've failed before. And the the inhabitants of Arcadia are actually a bit more advanced than if, if you want to draw the analog to America when it was being colonized. It, it pretty much is a direct reference to that, but the natives are much more advanced than the uh, the Native Americans were comparatively to the colonists. And so colonists haven't been successful. And if you take that and put a harder spin on it, it's pretty brutal between the uh, the crazy journey over and the brutalities that can be committed uh, on trespassers in this basically wild place. There's an entire interior of Arcadia mm-hmm. that no one from the inner sea region has ever been to. They're not allowed. If they find a tenuous peace with the Arcadians and are allowed to have a colony, they're basically just kept to the the shores and they're not allowed into the interior. So you could do a lot with what is actually in that interior. You could do, uh, you know, much like I think the Mwangi kind of sparks that jungle horror. I think Arcadia could spark that frontier horror, that dying of starvation and dehydration that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, creatures that you weren't expecting in the, in the middle of the continent, you have your deserts and that kind of thing. Um, and I think it, it, I almost want to take it in a direction that, like, you, have you seen, like, some of the Western horror? Like, it's, it's kind of like a crossover between the genres, like, like Western genre. Like Cowboys and Aliens. Absolutely. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. But, uh, but, but some of that horror that kind of bridges the gap between a Western and a horror movie, I think that would work really well in yeah. the interior here, uh, depending on how you want to develop it in your world, because realistically, it's not developed it's not there's not a huge amount of real information on it there there is a giant floating gnome city off that that often comes into contact okay Uh, so i feel like you could definitely do like a bioshock with that whoa yeah which would be really fun Uh, it's called gogpata and it's just this like floating gnomish settlement that oftentimes gets close enough to Arcadia to trade with like the colonies as well as the uh, the native Arcadian settlements. No gods, <laughs> no kings, only Gagpada. Gagpada. <laughs> so that that was kind of my idea for a uh, for horror in Arcadia. But I think beyond horror, it's just a it'd be a really fun setting to sink your teeth into because for homebrew, it's it's ripe for. It's got it's got a great kind of foundation, but nothing's been written about it. Yeah. Well, I'll, well, let me start here, Griff. I got a lot of thoughts about what you brought to the table today. First and foremost, I've realized recently that one of the few genres of horror that still can get me good is colonial horror. Yeah. American history, or uh, I'm sorry, American. I almost said American History X. That is not that's right. Not, that's not American that. Horror Story. I mean, scary for different reasons. Yeah. American Horror Story, Roanoke. My, uh, clearly my favorite season, but I think it was because it had this very uh, mid-Atlantic, 
out in the middle of nowhere. Um, very, very, yeah, it had this isolated feel. Um, that's what gets me. The the notion that, or, or, so, so I think of that as an example. I think of movies like The Witch. Yeah, yeah, that's VB, what I was thinking about ITCH. when I uh, when I thought of this idea. Was yeah, that kind of, and and you get some of even the like the mm-hmm. like the Vich, but like the the Salem type. Yeah, colonial horror as well. I I, I really um, get creeped out by the feeling of, um, you know, if if you don't have power, when the sun goes down, the sun is down, mm-hmm. and. You know, in, in a colonial horror setting, you need to get back beyond behind your palisades before the sun goes down, or you are fucked. You have no idea what's in those woods, and I think that's terrifying. There could be there could be beasts snarling. It could be um, the native peoples that you um, that maybe don't want you there, and maybe you shouldn't be there because colonialism sucks. But um, right, <laughs> but. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of really good scary horror potential and watching movies and shows like that gets me still, even though I've been desensitized to so much other stuff. I really love the blank canvas of Arcadia. Um, a, a a fun point that we were talking about earlier is that um, they talk about how there is a Valhalla equivalent there yeah. and the Lenorm Kings folks, which are your Viking equivalents in Pathfinder, were basically like the first of um, the civilizations that we're aware of in what we are typically as people outside of Galarian familiar with um, to get there. Which is pretty cool because that mirrors real life where you had a bunch of Scandinavian Vikings that were the first, um, you know, European folks to make it to the new world. Um, So that's kind of a fun way that it mirrors uh, reality. And it's just a fear of the unknown. Right. And it's... I think it's the perfect setting if you want to go for that vibe. I don't think there's a... I mean, unless you want to go like Heart of the Jungle... Uh, Mwangi, which you could do. Mm-hmm. The Mwangi Expanse and Garund in general have kind of changed with the uh, with the addition of 2E. Yes. And it, in a good way, I think. For in a very sure. good way. Uh, and I'm really excited for the Mwangi book. But you start to get to the hey, the only really unexplored areas are places like Arcadia that, that just don't have a lot written about them. And don't necessarily that I always try and find good homebrew settings in Galarian like uh, like when I did the whole Nadal arc yeah. like there's a you know there's a nice book on Nadal but there's 50 pages written on Nadal and that's it right and so and there's no adventures that touch it so you're you're pretty blank slate I think Arcadia is the ultimate blank slate if you want to homebrew in Galarian yeah Absolutely. I I agree 100%. I think there's a lot of opportunity for um, horror in the vein of fear of the unknown, which is uh, subjectively or objectively, however you want to put it, maybe the scariest type, right? Yeah. The scariest thing is you don't know what you don't know, and that terrifies you. You don't know why you should be scared. You just know you are. And that, that, that gets me good. Well, I mean, what else gets you good? You prepared something, too. I did. So I am also going to a region of the world that we have not touched in our show. I don't think at all. But let me take a step back here. Have you ever heard of a Russian game show called The Interception? No. Okay. Cool. 
It ran in 1997, and contestants were given a car. Okay. Basically, the people that ran the show said, hey, you can have this car. However, it is registered as stolen with the Moscow police. Good God. (laughs) And you have to avoid them for 35 minutes. If you can do that, you can keep the car. Uh, That's fucking amazing. If you can't, then uh, you lose. Now, and this was okay. Like okay, the, so Russian, the Russian government was like, fucking fine. That's great. That does sound insane. Um, but the uh, the show was actually made in coordination with the police. Okay. To discourage car theft. Okay. Is it that big of a problem that you need a TV show about it? Uh, in- apparently, yes. Yeah, okay. But, but, yeah, let, I mean- but let me tell you, the uh, it was canceled after one season because it did not discourage car theft. Encourage car theft? Yeah, probably. I mean, like, when you see people start to get away with it, right? Then you're yeah. like, get free, I should fucking steal car. a car. I should probably take a car. If all I have to do is avoid Moscow police for 35 minutes, that's all I, have to I deserve this car. I have to take car. my star rating down from four stars to nothing. I'm just going to skirt around the Moscow police and pull into a garage, right? Exactly. So I thought about what would be a cool story to tell, and I thought about... Now I'm taking a little bit of a detour here, but I was planting a seed there. This is going to be important in a second. Yeah, um, I'm really curious how this ties into I Gladiator. promise it will be. So um, I was thinking about what's really scary, and I, I started thinking about zombie movies and just hordes of people and all claw, you know, pi- piling on top of each other, clawing at you to get to you or something that you have. And I really challenged myself. I thought maybe... Uh, maybe I'll talk about something in Geb or whatever. There's undead. Maybe something goes wrong and you get swarmed with them. Like, that's kind of creepy. Sure. But let's put a different spin on it. I want to take us to the country of Thuvia. Okay. Uh, for those of you who are unaware, it is a country that sits between Osirian and Rahadum. It's basically um, kind of part of the North Africa um, analog in Pathfinder. Uh very close to the inner sea, which is like the Mediterranean center of the world um, and mostly arid desert. But the thing that makes Thuvia particularly interesting is that a long time ago in its history, uh, alchemists discovered that when treated properly, there was a local flower. It's called the sun orchid that can be refined into a concoction that halts the process of aging. Yep. I've definitely heard of that. Yes. So, um, the way the history of, of Thuvia goes is that um, originally it was five city states that there was real, there was no real Thuvia. They kind of fought with each other. But when they discovered this orchid and they discovered what it could do, then all of these foreign powers tried to attack them and get at them. And they said, "Hey, we need to band together and protect what we have." Unfortunately, they did not have once every once all of that was um, established and um, they were able to protect each other. They did not have the demand to meet the supply. So they banded together to protect each other and refined it. And now every single year, the country of Thuvia produces only six doses of what's called the Sun Orchid Elixir. And they welcome anybody from all over the world to bid on them in a giant grand auction. And that auction kind of runs their entire economy. Yeah. Basically, people come from all over the world. They spend money. Um, you know, you got to get some they, vendors set up all around to their caravans come to support the local economy to for all of these foreigners that want to bid on this product. Yeah. 
And it's a very, very short supply, but everybody in the world wants to live forever, right? I know I do. So, do you? No. No? <laughs> no, I don't. Um, but basically, my thoughts are, how does any of this tie together? How is this horror? So I would like to, you know, pitch a situation that's, you know, if it's a scenario or, or a module or whatever, but the story takes place um, immediately after the most recent auction. And basically you're a little party of folks that was at the auction for whatever reason. And somebody with nefarious intent um, basically makes a proclamation saying, hey, those guys got a dose. You don't have a dose, mm -hmm. but suddenly everybody turns on you because, you know, you're not rich. You're not famous. You don't have bodyguards. You don't. Mm -hmm. But they think you got the dose. Now, the thing is, when you bid on the Sun Orchid Elixir, no matter if you win or lose, the city keeps what you what you what you bid, which really sucks. Yeah, that's fucked. So not only do does your regular average Joe who wants to live uh, forever want to get at you for this elixir, whether or not you actually have it, they believe you do, but all of these people who feel like they were slighted or cheated or outbid and have lost probably fortunes. Yeah. You got to figure the only people that could afford this are the richest people in the world and what would you spend to live forever? For a lot of people, that's a very high sum of money. And there's only six doses, and there's probably somebody that wants it more than you in the world. So you spend your entire fortune, uh, you lose it all, you don't get a dose, and then these sons of bitches got one. So you are throwing everything you got at them. So instead of a Night of the Living Dead or George Romero-esque... Um, undead hordes of stuff I'm envisioning something that's a little bit more like Black Hawk Down mm -hmm. which I think is terrifying in its own way that you you and your party need to get out of the city everybody from the lowest pauper to the person who lost the most on this thinks that you have an elixir and you gotta get out I think you should read Fly Free or Die I think I should too because <laughs> yeah, it sounds it has, awesome I think it has a I think there's a similarity to that story in there that sounds really cool. I know that's a, that's an adventure path that I'm, I'm very interested in because I think it sounds really awesome. Um, I think our friends at STF have that as a goal. Yeah. You know, check them out because I really want to see Zach run that. That'll be awesome. Um, but when I was just kind of envisioning this, I thought of, you know, eliciting in the people that are playing this adventure. Think of if you were in the worst neighborhood you have ever visited, like inner city, Chicago, Detroit, some of the, the, you know, the worst neighborhoods and there were billboards everywhere. And for whatever reason, they sprung up with your face on them saying lottery winner carrying the ticket right yeah. <laughs> now. You know, you've got a lot of impoverished people, you know, people that have been beat down that have a difficult run at life and they'll do anything to get that winning lottery ticket that you're holding. And that's what I want to, uh, uh, what I would want to uh, evoke in folks. Cause that's terrifying. You're, you're, being, you're being set up. And I thought about how this could be like an actual playable uh, scenario or module. So um, you're getting attacked by these summoned creatures. Maybe you've got these chelish nobles that were slighted and they bring in devils to try and take you down. And you have these hordes of, of poor people or, or folks that just want what you have but never could have even afforded to be in the auction um, trying to swarm over you. Um, and then the, the big finale is you realize that this has been the machinations of the usage. U-S-I-G is how you spell it. It's a cult 
that um, is dedicated to Ahriman. Ahriman, I think it's A-H-R-I-M-I-N. Uh, it's He is the demigod. Uh, he's from Abaddon, and he is the demigod of Divs, these kind of fiendish creatures who have a presence in Thuvia, and he is the seeker to destroy all of creation. All he wants to do is destroy, which is very neutral evil of him, yep. um, being from Abaddon. And this was a, a big ga- a big gambit by the Usage to really mount a death toll because they know you're powerful and you'll defend yourselves and kill people on your way out of town. Bump up that death uh, that death toll to get these, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, tempt our men to come back. Um, and just because I, I can never stop myself from doing this, I had to Google Araman and see like where he actually came from. Um, he's not just a, someone that was made up by Paizo, which, you know, they, they sometimes some of the stuff, come, they make it up, but some of it is pulled from history. He's an evil spirit from early Iran, this early in Iranian religion, Zoroastrianism. Oh, Zoroastrianism? I'm pretty sure that's how it's okay. pronounced. I did not know how to pronounce that. I had never heard of it before. <laughs> Zoroastrianism. Listen, I read it phonetically. I, did, I thought I Steve. did the best I could. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was interesting. I thought it was different. And um, I, I like this segment. This is fun. Yeah, this one's fun. I think next time what I want to do is I want to I wanna pick a place. And maybe we can get the... Um, uh, because we're doing some of these live, mm-hmm. we can we can get the patrons to vote on like a place, and then you and I can come at it from whatever oh. angle. I like because that I think a lot, that'd be yeah. interesting. I, I wonder what you would come up with in, you know, in like a Syrian. Like, would you do the Mummy Returns, or would you, or would you do something very different? Well, I mean, the answer is yes. Well, yeah, I mean, you're gonna have Brandon Fraser in that, obviously. Of course. But uh, one that's a little more contested. What what horror would you do there? I think that would be cool. Yeah, I think that would also uh, that would challenge us in a way that's like you can't just pick anything or what's easy or whatever. It's well, I, we would probably have to dig really deep into the region's history to see like what's scary about this place. Well, yeah, I mean, like you pick a place like Cheliax and done deal. You I mean, you could look at the you could look at the history there and hit it with any of. 10 types of horror. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just because it's weird in a lot of ways. Ooh, Haley's got something to say. Our producer, what's up? Uh, there's some questions here. They're wondering, is this like a super specific space they should be suggesting or a little bit more general and broad? That is a good question. I would say if it's something like Arcadia where it's it's a continent, but there's not a ton on it, mm-hmm. then yeah, you go ahead and suggest a continent. But I, w- I would, I would, Maybe leave it to a country type th- type deal. Like if you were gonna if you were gonna look in the inner sea, like you know you have your Cheliacs, you have your Gab, your Necks, your whatever. Um, I mean, if you wanted to take it to a city level, honestly, if there's enough information on that place, it's just I think it, it'd be more level of detail that Paizo's put into the place. That's that's what I was going to say, and I, I realize that's very subjective, but just scale it up, right? If you're looking at Arcadia, which may be an entire continent, but there's a, not a lot of material on there, say Arcadia. If you're looking at 
uh, in inner sea country where there's a fair amount of uh, content, but not a ton, like a Nadal or Malthoon or something. That's great. But if you but you could also get as detailed as a city like Magnamar or Absalom, where there's been tons written. Yeah. Um, so just, just keep in mind, um, keep keep in mind how much has been put out, how much published material has been out there for that uh, you know particular region of the world you want us to look at. But we'll do it for sure. Yeah, I would say rule of thumb is just pick a country because I mean, if you haven't read up on it or whatever, if that country has a ton of detail, I mean, usually when it, there's a reason that Arcadia isn't broken up into countries when Paizo talks about it, right? <laughs> it's yeah. Because, because they haven't done enough detail on it. But generally, if there's a country in the inner sea region, there's enough detail for us to come up with different viewpoints on it. Haley, how's the chat looking? We got any more questions? We've gotten some recommendations based on that. So yeah. All right. Good, good answer guys. Thanks. Wonderful. Okay. um, Let's do something new, something exciting. We're going to answer some listener questions, but y'all going to hear your own voices. Ooh. Okay, so this is our first voicemail. We got a few banks. Thank you so much, people, for calling in and leaving them. As a reminder, if you are subscribed to the $10 up tier on Patreon, we have shared with you the um, the phone number, and you can call in and leave us voicemails anytime. We're not going to delete them. If you leave a great one today that uh, we just don't have time to get through, we'll try to get to it next time. I'm not wiping these out, um, but here's here's our first one. So let's listen to it right now. Hey gang, this is Ken Lawn Gnomes, and I would like to know if your characters have a highlight reel for books one through three, what would they look like? Finish your drinks, talk to you later. Oh, well, I guess we gotta finish our drinks, Steve. Actually, that's a good point, because I only have about a swig left in there, so I'm gonna do that right now and pop <laughs> open a new one. Thank you, Ten Lawn Gnomes, aka Eric. So if we had a highlight reel for the books we've completed, what would it what would it look like? Well, I'll tell you what, Griffin, um, there was a point earlier today after we had gotten this voicemail that you were setting up some stuff with our little brand new mixer for uh, for streaming. And I just went out and typed one up. Um, I'm going to run through it right now. It's a little bit on the long side. Um, I just took it for like the main story, all four characters, because we don't have um, Brooks, Emily and well, Haley's producing. But, you know, she's busy with that right now. Um, so I got that right now. I'm going to change up the Sirenscape music, give it a little bit of excitement for the highlight reel. And I'd encourage you, if you don't have one of your own, just to hop in whenever and and, and, and throw something cool in there, all right? That's what I was going to do. I was going to let you go. I assume you're going to go book by book, right? It, uh, yeah, it's going to be in order. So I'm going to let you do a book, and then I'll I'll pepper it with a couple of things that, if you missed anything, that I think should be included. Perfect. All right, here's my highlight reel. We open with the funeral procession from episode one. We're walking the coffin to the grave. Smash cut to the original party looking at bloody words on a fountain while ghostly apparitions sing nursery songs in the background. Then we cut to a bucket of water getting thrown on flames in the town hall. And then we cut to the prison. Um, uh, you see this phantasmal steed run by dragging two uh, very helpless individuals, Matumbe and Ikmer, uh, Eclipse just galloping on that thing. Um, And then uh, Matumbe stands back up 
and is going toe-to-toe with Father Charlatan in the dreamscape while the rest of the party holds off waves of skeletons and sturges as you hear this really creepy haunting music in the background. Then there's a a very spooky Joker-like laugh as an axe comes down and blood splatters for for the lopper battle. You see Ikmer crawling away to get out of the um, the the radius of his his effect. Um, then we cut to the splatter man, and words are appearing on the walls. Matumbe eclipse um, as people start to fall, and Ikmer heroically throws a hammer. Yeah, that hammer spins over and over, um, and then you see a phase spider in the swamp taking swipes as we try and drag out the pinheaded lady um, from the from the mud um, as we pull her out. The scene splits, and you see Lyra talking, defending the beast in the trial. Oh, we're moving to book two? Oh, yeah, we're in book oh, two. Jeez, I was going to give my book one shit. Oh, yeah, this. yeah, just throw shit in there, man. The fucking Antrellis's head just popping, oh. and the creature, the creature exploding out of it, color spraying everybody but Lyra, and starting off the, the just pursuit of it following her for the rest of her life, the... Uh, the moment I know you you talked about the lopper fight, but the moment Ikmer just like bleeds to death in yes. the in the corner and is barely saved by anybody, uh, the the moment Eclipse like looks in the mirror and sees the dead little girl, sees Liana, That's and a then like cut. That's and a then immediately one, yeah. like that night like races off into the night and finds her corpse in the shallow grave. Uh, I think those are my big ads. I mean, the, the walls bleeding from the Splatterman fight, too. Like, that's a mm-hmm. part of it, like, spelling everybody's name. Was, we had some cinematic moments. I mean, like, uh, you guys uh, fighting a set of manacles for <laughs> three yeah. hours? Uh, yeah, maybe we'll cut that one. Uh, no, the, uh, yeah, but this is certainly something that we're, we're going to animate for our animated pilot, of course. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. All right, so we're, we're back in book two. Lyra is defending the beast. She's looking over her notes, and she speaks up. Um, and when she does, you see her, it's, it, the camera pans up through her finger, and it splits as the party splits, and we see Eclipse and Matumbe fighting these wraith children. Uh, Eclipse stuck in a bear trap for a hot second as Ikmer falls off a horse halfway across town as the Nethelgu torments Lyra. Um we cut to our four heroes holding back the doors as they're getting pounded by the uh, the villagers back in town, who, if I remember correctly, are drunk on hard cider. Yeah. Um, but simultaneously, we're cutting back to Eclipse, who is in this dream state, uh, arguing with the Lopper because I believe she was at full influence for that, and it was about to go to hell, based on a roll. Then... Um, that apparently being done with, we're back. Lyra on the stage, innocent verdict. The the beast cries in relief, and she raises her hand in triumph over the crowd. But a blinding light erupts from her hand, and it and it dazzles four trolls at the castle gate for Carolmark. Uh, the rest of the party moves in for the kill. Someone jumps forward and swings across a deadly chasm as we all splatter against a wall because <laughs> we don't know how to cross bridges. Um, but people start climbing up that wall. Matumbe gives Ikmer a hand up and then you see the two of them racing 
on on steeds as wings are growing out of their heads. Um, the, that scene ends with with Ikmer stumbling across the threshold to get Matumbe into the arms of Sajira to heal him up. Um, the two return, and you see this this knee-high battle in brackish, disgusting water as we fight a violet fungi, and Lyra falls. Um, then suddenly the party is atop the spire of the castle, split between battling a flying Dr. Viv as lightning strikes, and Matumbe grows in size. Um, Ikmer and Freya, a new character who you've never seen before, battle this abomination with Larry at the side from that you've seen before. Uh, Freya just does this giant burst of positive energy, holds her bow aloft, and then we're moving into book three. Okay, so book two, I I want to mention the um, we you can't get through book two cinematic highlight reel without Wiener fucking uh, coming to the rescue. Three okay, those times three words, those three words, one after the other. <laughs> Wiener coming to the rescue. Um, when the the wraith like with the bees and the eyes yeah. uh, attacked you when um oh the moment when the the alchemical zombies like had the knife to unconscious ikmer's throat mm-hmm. and were pretty much like you make a deal with us or we're going to kill him uh those same two zombies like coming to your defense on the stand uh in in castle caramark just the uh the moment when Viv makes her presence known and just like scratches the door and the the like Eclipse and Lyra like sitting like huddled with the with the crossbow mm-hmm. pointed at the door and just the sound of all of the spider legs, the massive spider legs crawling over that section of the castle. Uh, yeah, if we're going into that much detail, let's throw in uh, the friendly fire just shooting Ikmer. When he goes through the door, I yeah. forgot about that until you mentioned they were holding the crossbow. <laughs> the sound burst that almost dropped everybody into the wall. Oh, I left that one out. Um, but so, yeah, we're getting into book two. The party's riding hard through these woods. Um, you see this weaver worm fight where we're falling through the earth as she's digging and she's pretty gross. Um, but then we're cutting into this lodge. There's uh, a bunch of rapid cuts, one after the other. Hunts, tense conversations, this giant spider battle, and Matumbe's stealth mission, culminating in um, the is a super like uh, anime moment where pe- two people are talking. Matumbe's just sweating really hard, like the big like oversized drop is coming down his face as he's like, <laughs> "I've been found out." Uh, and then. We're back in the woods as we're getting swarmed over by waves after waves of wolves charging up the spire of the moon, the temple. Um, And then we confer with Desna. Dreams become reality as the stars um, that are in the night sky, you know, form into these intricate patterns. And then those dreams actually materialize and a blade comes across. It's a blade that locks with another blade. It's Ikmer in this were tiger you've never seen before. but after those blades lock, they shake hands in agreement. Um, a wave of the dead breaks over our heroes um, with some new friends, very Avengers style, as which I think is one of my favorite cinematic moments from the uh, from the show, where you do have that like team up and we're all playing multiple characters lightning sh- is striking from above from uh sabriza saw and anya are just tearing things up um 
I believe Eclipse is up top, like directing a, a ball of flame or something. We just have this really cool control of this, this waves of the dead are over, breaking over them. Uh, then we cut to an ax coming up over and it slices down across Viv's neck. A burst of black energy rips through Sawyer. He drops. And then as he drops, a stake falls down through Vrood's heart. Um, a crown is placed over Ikmer's head. And then you see a new rat folk companion who's got creepy hands, shaking hands with the party. <laughs> um, and then you see these four characters riding off into the sunset. That's books one through three. Nice. Yeah, I wouldn't add much to book three. Okay. We got some recommendations from the chat. Yeah, we got a question here. What kind of song would you put behind that kind of montage? Oh, Ooh, fuck. In parts, in parts, I would use that song that you used at, um, like, when Ikmer was, if we're talking, like, Sirenscape, the, the track you used when Ikmer was getting crowned, that was such a baller track. Uh, or the, or the yeah. one with, like, that's one thing I would add to book three, like, the, the moment when Ikmer's, like, leading the charge down to Feldgrau and he, like, gives the speech. Yeah. Well, it's it's definitely an inspirational epic song. Yeah, your Gandalf coming over the hill type of of music. That mm-hmm. or rather, like the when you get that feeling from music, that's what I want yeah. behind this. Yeah, because all of this is us overcoming obstacles and rising up to the challenge and defeating the bad guys, which is what I've highlighted here. Um, that's what I would want behind this. Yeah, I think. Uh Ooh, there's a song from uh, the the movie Onward where um, okay, it's Ride to Valhalla, and it's where uh, they, in order to proceed, they they sacrifice their van. And the, wow! And the van, like that, must have been difficult for you to see. It was. It was really tough. They, they you know, they, you put the rock on the gas, and the the van, it's Ride to Valhalla, it, like goes off a ramp. And it's just this beautiful, it's the same kind of music. It's like, and it's this rocky cliff and all the rocks come down on the police cruisers and they can't follow them. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, it would, yeah, they were definitely, it's, it would definitely have, um, uh, it's not a a, a chorus of people all singing together. We, We need those like big notes. Make it epic. Make your heart swell. Yeah, I think so too. So yeah, we got that question this morning and I couldn't not answer it. I had so much fun just like thinking through that. Honestly, and this is gonna, I don't know if this makes me sound weird or whatever, but when I run a lot, I'll listen to like a lot of heavy metal and then just like play back fights that we've done in the podcast through my head and like make them a little cinematic because like that gets my blood pumping and I just wanna keep going. Gets it going, gets the people going. It does. I, I will say I don't I don't go out in the garage and replay our podcast. Oh, I don't replay the podcast. I just think through some oh, of the cool stuff. Them. Okay, like what's badass? Matumbe smashing someone with his book. Uh, Ikmer cleaving a spider into like that gets like just thinking about that in a like cinematic capacity really gets me going, man. Because I believe in this kind of stuff. Um. But I think it's about time that we move on to our next question. So we got another voicemail here. Um, And Haley, you can stop me at any time if there's anything you want to add from the chat or whatever. Um, But this one comes from a good friend by Polar Pop-Tart. I believe he's listening right now. So enjoy listening to your own voice. 
Hey guys, BP here again. Um, so we've seen Freya's greatest fear in her Phantasmal Killer, but I want to know what yours is. Is it a vegan barbecue for Griff? Is it an empty bottle of Malort for Steve? You tell me. And we will. Yeah, that's a great question. What would our personal Phantasmal Killers be? For me, I think it's it's got to be something to do with spiders. I don't think that's a surprise for anybody. The lighting's changing in the room. The lighting's changing again. Oh, no. This is my phantasmal killer. (laughs) I'm dead. Yeah, probably something spider-related. Maybe a a swarm of them, like a wave of spiders, like a a tsunami wave, and then maybe they start crawling up my legs or something. I can't brush them off fast enough. That would really get me bad. Oof. Yeah, that's a... I, I do know how much you hate spiders. Notice how, I mean, listeners, how frequently do I include spiders? It's all the fucking all time. All the fucking time. <laughs> all the fucking time. Constantly frustrating. But the thought of, like, insects making their way into your ear holes and nose and mouth and stuff is just um, potentially the worst thing I could think of. So that's probably it for me. How about you, Griff? Ooh, what would be my phantasmal killer uh it's tough i i know bippy uh said a vegan barbecue that's it's up there it's definitely up there <laughs> terrifying um i think i i really don't like um not not the kind of body horror that's like fantastical but the kind of stuff that um is realistic like i skeeve myself out every time i'm like out in the garage doing squats about the the fucking backward snapping leg. Oh god. That that and like eye horror stuff really yeah. fucking gets me. So I think it would be something like that. It'd be like me looking at myself like, you know, and like my joint pops backwards or something. Yeah, rever- reversing uh reversing joints eye horror in general. Terrifying. Yeah. I I also like to think that I would be a little John Wick about it too. Like mm-hmm. a big fear would be like anyone hurting my pets. I have so many of them. Mm. I wouldn't like that. Haley seems to appreciate that answer. That and also there's some some of those exact gifts on those body horrors that we just talked about going on in chat right now. Guys, come on. Oh, oh boy. I'm not going to look. Oh, it's bad. I'm not looking in the chat. It's bad, man. We got Nathaniel in there uh, moderating. Doing work. Doing work. <laughs> Throwing in some pleasing gifts. Throwing in pleasing gifts. That's perfect. Oh, man. Oh, boy. Yeah, that uh, BP, great question. And like the like some of the questions that we got last week, um, or rather last episode of Zone of Truth, um, I, I think that question might be one that we re- we return to. Yeah, I definitely feel like the rest of the crew should weigh in on that one. Yeah, because I don't know what scares Brooks. Just so I can like make the know. sessions better. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's market research for you, Market Graham. research for me, yeah. That's phenomenal. All right, so um, I think as far as listener questions go today, that probably does it, but we got a couple fun things that we wanted to do uh, before we signed off here. So, um, Here's what we're going to do. First of all, this episode is getting uh, recorded live on the 12th of December, about halfway through the month. 
it will actually drop on the 21st of December. So people are going to be listening to this right before uh, the Christmas holiday, the end of the year. Um, and I know not everybody celebrates Christmas, but um, last year, uh, uh, one of our one of our listeners put together um, a, an HLP rendition of Twas the Night Before Christmas, and it is phenomenal. It blew my mind last year. It fucking slaps. <laughs> so what we're going to do today is read through that poem. This is uh, this was written by at Big Daddy Daycare. Okay, great username. Um, but we're just going to run through it because um, it is uh, it is linked on our Discord, but it was linked a long time ago, and there's a lot of really good stuff there, and I want to share it with everybody. So, without further ado. T'was the night before Christmas, with all at full health, not a PC was stirring, because they all passed their stealth. The holy text was placed by Matumbe with care, in hopes that Phrasma soon would be there. The children were nestled all snug in their beds, while Nana Opal prepared cookie recipes in her head, and Saw in his collar and Anya in her chains had just settled down for a long night of pain. When out on the roof, it sounded like a wreck, so Griffin asked the party for a perception check. Out of her tub, Lyra flew like a flash, garbed in her finest new manta ray sash. The moon on the breast of the new fallen snow turned the eyes of Ikmer to a bright yellow, when what to their wondering eyes should appear but a tiny Yang and eight haunt reindeer. With a raven by her side and armed with an axe, she hefted behind her a handy haversack. More rapid than a flash of spiders, her coursers they came, and she whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now Eric, now Krusty Crust, now John <laughs> and Tim, on Piper, on Splatter, and Father Charlatan. To the top of the porch, to the top of the wall. Now charge away, charge away, charge away all. But her hat sack had some stowaways, if only she knew. Out popped the heads of a cleric and a vivisectionist, too. With one on the search for the promise of convert converts, the other was ready with her scalpel to insert. Then in a twinkling, the party heard on the roof the prancing and pawing of each little hoof. Detective Ikmer, who was quickly on the case, as Eclipse slid down the chimney with amazing haste. She was dressed all in fur armor from her head to her foot, and with a natty twenty she knew something was afoot. She turned to see the pantry, a mix of evil and good. In silent astonishment they all watched and they stood. Turner's eyes, how they twinkled, in audience how merry. Brighter than the time Seymour Wiener popped his cherry. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Viv slid out of the bag, life as a panther, her mind uh, solely focused on finding the answers. Opal offered some cookies, not revealing their contents, but Eclipse was more concerned with unloading her presents. A bow tie for Saw, a new shield for Matumbe, for Lyra a small fish, prepared via crochet. Nana Opal received a new rolling pin because crushing children bones is, dust is best done by hand. And for Ikmer, the closest to still being a boy, she ruined his innocence with a half-orc playboy. Eclipse turned, <laughs> turned to her stowaways, a sly grin on her face, because she always brought extra gifts just to be safe. To properly examine the powerful cortex, she presented the doctor with a new set of forceps. Then the whying Santa looked to Mr. Turner, but became quite surprised. 
as he held in his hands and simply closed his eyes. I hope you don't find me rude, as a gift I must deny, because the only present I need is right by my side. Eclipse nodding her head saw the good doctor blush, and the holiday Wyang went up the chimney in a rush. She sprang to her steeds, to her team gave a whistle, and away they all flew like the down of a thistle. Inspired by the couple, Saw gave Anya a lick. Through her gag, one would think she almost was sick. As Ikmer thumbed through the pages, he soon became astonished as he ran up the stairs for his long sword needed a polish. Nana Opal retired to her favorite rocking chair and muttering some words, it slowly rose in the air. Lyra peacefully hummed to herself a happy tune. She was content to know that the sun would rise soon. A house full of good and evil, chaos possible, possibly on the brink, but we won't find out until next time. So finish your drinks. And then we should say together, Griffin, I, I knew it. it. <laughs> I went I went for the cheers there, but you denied me. So here you go. Yeah. Again, Big Daddy Daycare. Um, the, the absolute absurdity of how <laughs> well thought out that was. Oh, my God. Oh, that was great. Absolutely great. I hope he still listens. <laughs> but yeah that was uh that was a lot of fun uh glad to share that with everybody because i had fun reading it do we want to pop over to some of the earlier discord questions oh of course yeah sure. let's do that yeah there were some questions pretty early on here uh one of them is from the hora he asked is there any of book four that's eliminated in order to accommodate for this Abaddon arc? Great question. I don't know the answer to it, but I bet Griffin does. Absolutely fucking not. <laughs> <laughs> we do milestone leveling, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, I actually thought about that not too long ago, uh, the horror, and was like, boy, when we get done with Abaddon, I bet we're going to level up because like it's been a while. And I was like, wait a second. This is all like extracurricular. <laughs> there's no <laughs> way. I, there's no way I'm leveling up on this. <laughs> Here is another one from Blarder Days or Nathaniel. What's your favorite can and bottle art design? His is from the bottle Midori. Midori's a good one. It's a it's a big tall. A uh, glass bottle that has uh, really good texture to it, and it has this nice, like, uh, convex uh, shape. I really like that a lot. Um, can art. Um, there's a really good werewolf beer that um, that that Brooks had at one point. I really like the Mister Fahrenheit beer by. North High Brewing. It's a tiger in a space helmet. That's pretty cute. Um, let me think about this more. Do you have one? Do you have one, Griff? Uh, for bottles, I actually just encountered a new favorite of mine. We were uh, we were in the Smoky Mountains for Thanksgiving, and Haley's dad actually bought this. It's like a, it was like an apple wine, or basically tasted like cider. It may as well have been a cider. But it came in this bottle that had kind of a really thin nozzle, but then was actually a glass barrel. Oh, wow. That's like, cool. It was, it was, and it was all glass. I was really impressed. It was all glass. It was a barrel. The, the wine was okay. 
I think the uh, I don't I don't like whiskey or bourbon, but I think the Larceny bottle's pretty cool. How it's like that keyhole shape. Like key. shape. I yeah. like that a lot. Um, and yeah, I'm a I'm a real sucker for uh, fancy artwork on craft beer cans. I will read a beer like the the name and uh, composition of the beer and be like, uh, I don't really care for it. Well, this art looks awesome. I'm gonna try it. Yeah, I really liked uh, what I drank what I brought from home that big gruesome can art was cool it was kind of like um, a set of jaws around the the name but I really like any of the art done by Sam Heimer he's he does a bunch of beer can designs and his stuff is is usually Pennsylvania breweries but if you look up Sam Heimer you'll see some of his uh, can designs he does it for a couple breweries in the area that are really sick that's awesome last one I'm going to talk about um and this this one again, I, I really wish I remembered the name of the brewery or the beer, but it was it was again something that Brooks introduced me to. It was a, a badger that looked pissed off, and it had like an old World War One helmet on. It was really cool. I really liked it. That's awesome. That's great. I know uh, Nathaniel said you could always default to hams if you couldn't think of something. Well, well, I mean, it kind of is Arizona Truth I mean, logo, too. That is my favorite, yeah, of course. I mean, I just didn't think it was worth bringing up because everyone knew it, but yeah. Good, good point, yeah. Yeah, we got another one here in the chat that just came through. It's fresh uh, from Spartan. Ooh, welcome, Spartan. Do you guys have any rituals or superstitions in terms of improving your dice rolls? Uh, switching sets, baby. <laughs> yeah. Everybody on the cast has that ritual. They think that uh, changing up the, the dice they roll will improve their rolls, and it almost never does. Yeah, I don't... Yeah, I, I rotate through dice sets, um, but more just because that's my type of personality that I just like to use all of my things equally. Like, I don't want to wear something out, so I don't yeah. want to use the same dice set too much. Um, but I certainly do have specific dice sets for certain characters. And I think I've mentioned on the show before that I like to always play with three sets. Um but to uh, the spirit of this question, I rotate through those sets. Um, if we're uh, rolling knowledge checks or several knowledge checks or initiative and then an attack roll after that and then something else, one after the other, it'll be um, the green set I use and then the black set and then the blue set. I, I do, I do a, a, a rolling rotate through what I have on the table in front of me. I... Uh... I just have sets that I'm superstitious about because I have a lot of dice sets. I have sets that I tend to think are high rollers and sets that I tend to think are low rollers and whether or not that's true is completely uh, up in the air, but yeah. 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 Great question. Um, We all, we all do kind of uh, do that, but I don't know if I have anything outside of just changing up my dice, any sort of rituals or anything. Uh, for a while, I was putting my natural one dice in the dice jail. And now I'm not the worst ruler on the show anymore, so maybe that helped. Yeah. <laughs> Haley is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now she's pissed. <laughs> okay, do we have anything else from the chat? I have one that I think would be one of those good, fun last questions. Okay. But I don't know where you're at with your schedule. Is this it? Can I give you the, the last one? Um, I have, we've ran through everything that I want to. Um, once we're done with questions, we have our big finale announcement that we're going to do. 
Um, so if we're good for time and we've got a good question to take us home, let's do it. All right. This last one is from Bipolar. What would your own puberty monster look like? Okay, come on. <laughs> come, come on, on. Steven. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I told you it would be a last question. What, you don't have a puberty monster? All right, so for... Um, I don't know, like the people, like my coworkers and my mom who listen to this, uh, the puberty monster he's referring to is uh, from the show Big Mouth. It is a an imaginary monster that appears uh, to the uh, tween, yeah, prepubescent kids. No, they're pubescent. Uh, okay, that's why they get pubescent. a monster um, that tries to kind of, I guess, help explain the changes that are going on in their bodies. Boy, a uh, difficult question to answer. I mean, what do they look like? Do you have like the the old one? What's the old one's name? Ricky. <laughs> Ricky. I mean, I've only ever seen the pilot of the show. Oh, you seen, they they look different. Everybody has a different. Well, not everybody has a different one, but a lot a lot of them have a different one. And like the main one, Maury is like, uh, you know, he's he's got like a dick for a nose and mm-hmm. is kind of furry and half naked and okay sure. look kind of like a sexy satyr oh okay yeah i got one um mine will be um what the fuck is his name um it'll be uh idris elba dressed up as mccavity from cats Oh boy! See C- CGI a in real life too. Like yep. That one. Yep. He'll teach me a lot of things. Oh boy. Uh, that jeez, that's that's hard to follow. I feel like mine is more of a Jonah Hill type character. Oh, okay, that's a good answer. Yeah, I like, like that. Jo- Jonah Hill as uh, for like super bad or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, imagine. You know, um, Danny DeVito is the... Uh, God, why can't I think of the satyr's name in Hercules? But he's a satyr in Hercules. Think of that, but Jonah Hill. That would yeah. be my puberty monster. Yeah, it's great Phil. Answer. Phil, yeah, he's Phil. Uh, Jonah Hill as a, kind of a satyr-type character. Okay, yeah. Very valid. Very valid answer. <laughs> no, I can't decide whether it's Jonah Hill, like, like super bad Jonah Hill, or Jonah Hill, like... He's, he's fluctuated so heavily on the weight game. I can't really, I can't pinpoint him anymore, but I guess ideally it would be super bad Jonah Hill. Well, well maybe he changes with you as your body makes changes, his physical form makes changes. I'm going through changes. Oh boy. Okay, so I think, uh, Haley, you got an answer? Oh no, I was going to say, I warned you it was the last question kind of thing. Oh yeah, <laughs> you were right. That's all I got, though, from the chat right now. That's the beauty of doing it live. I cannot prepare for that. <laughs> Just blindside me with blindside. something like that. Hey, you came up with Idris Elba from Cats. That's pretty good. I think that's pretty decent for a puberty monster. Um, anyway, well, for your folks who are listening live right now, we're going to make an announcement. It's a big one. It's exciting. But I need some buy-in. Because we're not about to make this announcement yet. I don't know when we're going to make the announcement. When are we going to make the announcement? Like the next episode that comes out. All right. Next episode, he comes out. Like a week. So until next Thursday, can you promise me that you're not going to share this information? Uh Uh-oh. I'm watching the chat. 
You're watching uh, it. I'll just wait for your answers. You're gonna need all the promises. <laughs> We've got promises. Okay, all right, got promises. promises cool. All right. So, there's a lot of information that I have that I can't share. There's also some information that I don't have yet that I can't share because I don't know it. But what we want to do right now is announce that when we started our partnership with Paizo, one of the things we brought up was this all has been building to what's next, what's what's going to grow our show. And that is a second AP. Absolutely. That is what that is. We have to do it. We have to grow the show. We need to, we need to tell a new story. Because the story we got going right now is great. Link Legacy is great. But we need to keep growing. So we're going to announce when we're going to hit that. We don't know. Rather, I should say we have narrowed down to a very small selection of APs. Two. Two APs. What it's going to be. I'm not going to I'm not going to announce who the cast is going to be. I'm not even sure if that's set in stone yet. We've talked about it. I know who the GM is going to be, but I'm not going to announce that either. But when we hit $1,000 on Patreon, we will be launching a second show, and you have my word on that. That's the announcement. Yep. It's happening. What's it, like 400 bucks now? It's not far away. It's coming. So I'm nervous. Yeah, so uh, let's fucking go. Yes. I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready for a second show. We've been talking about this for a long time, basically since the beginning of the show, where we were like, we're, we're talking about what's next. Yeah. And we had a very long um, HLP team meeting, core members, to talk about where we thought the direction of our network was going and what we thought would be the best for it. And we reaffirmed that it is that second show. And we know that the goal is $1,000. When we hit it, we're going to start dropping episodes. Yep. What's it going to be? You'll see. Yeah, we will start dropping episodes. And I can, I can give this away. It's not going to be Starfinder. Sorry, Starfinder diehards. We're playing Pathfinder. It's not going to be Starfinder. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to do one. I'm going to do you one better. Okay. It's not going to be horror. It's not yes, going to be. I feel like I can say that without you. We without did. Making it mad we, at me. You know, we we took a look and we thought, hey, maybe we give you guys doom and gloom a little too frequently. Yes. So we're going to do. I don't know. I wouldn't say traditional fantasy, but we're going to do some some real adventuring, some real. There's not many haunts in the first book of this one. And if you guys were asking yourselves, are they any good at RPing something besides horror? You'll find out. <laughs> we'll see. Am I, is, is the GM any good at running anything besides horror? Who knows? Ooh, we hit a thousand dollars. Find out the answer is no. Thousand dollars, jump way back down. <laughs> All right. Well, that was the big announcement. Um, keep keep uh, keep yourselves posted because as we start developing more of our plans, like we said, we've got it narrowed down to two APs. We are circling the drain on who we want on the show, what kind of characters we're bringing, uh, what kind of story we want to tell. We're going to tease all of those things up until we drop that first episode. So stay tuned. It's going to be fun. And I'm going to tell you something right now. Griffin, Haley, everybody at home, thank you so much for being here today. I had so much fun. 
This was this was a blast. We need to do this more often. But when I say we need to do this more often, we should do it once a month. Shoot, once per month, approximately. Yep. <laughs> thank you, thank you guys who uh, showed up a tad early and helped us out with that sound check. Worked through some some sound issues. Really appreciate that. Um, we love you all. Your hearts, your love, your support. Um, but there's one last thing I think Griffin needs from us. I need you guys to finish your drinks, because we'll see you in two weeks. Later!